Opinions were divided when this 80s horror flick sequel hit theaters, but the franchise demonstrated its unyielding commitment to advancing its storyline. While some fans appreciated the added complexity given to the unstoppable masked killer, others longed for the simplicity that made the original movie a timeless classic. As we witnessed the return of the mystifying Michael Myers, we were reminded of his baffling resilience having survived his supposed final confrontation in the previous flick. The Halloween season is once again plunged into terror as the shape unleashes his wrath. But this time, a mysterious and supernatural connection emerges between him and his young niece, Jamie Lloyd, adding layers to the horror as familial ties intertwine with the supernatural. So brace yourself as Charlie Cotter, Laramie Wells, and I once again return to the haunted Haddonfield, Illinois, to discuss Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, from 1989 on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Halloween 5. This time, they're ready. This time, he's unmasked. And this time, he's back with a vengeance. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. I'm Tim Williams, the mastermind behind the mic at the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Joining me on each epic episode is a guest co-host who's as crazy about 80s flicks as they are about wearing parachute pants and solving Rubik's Cubes. We're diving into nostalgic treasures we saw at the local theater, rented on VHS tapes, or discovered on cable TV. From blockbusters that make you say, I feel the need, the need for speed. To hidden gems that'll have you screaming, They're here. It's a blast to relive these old memories and share our thoughts on what made these movies so special. We reminisce about our first time watch experiences, share our favorite scenes, and even discover fascinating behind the scenes tales about the cast and crew along the way. Haven't hit that subscribe button yet? What are you waiting for? Come on, do it! On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And hey, while you're at it, be a pal and drop us a written review along with a five-star rating to tell us what you think about us. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Take a day off and come hang out with us on social media. Just search 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And don't forget to bookmark 80sflickflashback.com for more gnarly content. Get out of town. I didn't know you did anything creative. Want to crank it all the way up to 11? Become a supporter on buymeacoffee.com for only $5 a month. Do or do not. There is no try. Click the link in our episode show notes, and while you're there, soak up the extra trivia and fun stuff that didn't make it into today's show. Thanks again for tuning in. Now, let's get right into today's episode. Well, welcome in, everybody. 
Uh, happy Halloween to everyone as we are at the end of October in our spooky season. So it feels right to uh, do another Halloween movie. And unfortunately, well, or fortunately, this is the last in the 80s <laughs> Halloween movies. And boy, did we save uh, the worst one so far. Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to suffer alone. So I brought with me two great guest co-hosts who you know and you love who uh, love to talk horror movies in the 80s as well. So from Moving Panels Podcast, please welcome Mr. Laramie Wells. How you doing, Laramie? I, I think I'm good. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what, I, what I've watched. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it. And uh, as always, wonderful to have Mr. Charlie Cotter with us ag again. How you doing, Charlie? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I survived another Michael Myers movie. So there you uh, go. I, I'm on top of the world. <laughs> Who fun times. All right. So let's was uh, it was it? Well, no, I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have fun times. I don't because think... that's my thing about slasher movies is that yeah. even when they're bad, they're fun. Yeah. This yeah. movie didn't know that. No, it didn't. It didn't. It it's who yeah, we got a lot to talk about. So let's jump in. When did you guys see Halloween five for the first time? I'll start with Charlie this time. So I saw it for the first time about ten years or so. I started going through all the halloweens and friday the 13th and and watched it for the first time and um i have not watched it again since other than getting prepared for this uh episode <laughs> for uh obvious reasons right right what about you larry uh almost very similar uh probably though five years okay uh, maybe maybe a little more than five years but yeah i got the the full halloween blu-ray box set okay with all 10 movies, including the Rob Zombie ones. And uh, Bethany and I sat down to watch through them all. And I'm pretty sure that was the first time I had ever seen this one. But again, didn't watch it again for rightfully obvious, so. Obvious until, reasons, yeah. yeah. Until prepping for this episode. Yeah, I want to say this is my first time seeing it all the way through. I think I had seen the beginning, like usually like, you know, this time of year, AMC is going to play them all. And they typically play them in sequence. So I remember watching the end of part four and then part five starting. And I think we watched, I had to, you know, watch the first 15 or 20 minutes of it. Cause I remembered the beginning of the movie was seemed kind of fresh in my mind um, of her in the hospital and having the first seizure and all that kind of stuff. So, or whatever you call her fit uh, fits of shaking and screaming because she can see where Michael is, but uh but yeah so yeah that's about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> this might be a really short episode but it's okay. <laughs> all right well let's jump into story ordinary pre-production and then we'll maybe we'll find out why this movie is the way it is but i think we already know but development on a fifth halloween was fast-tracked to meet a preset release deadline of october 13th 1989 producer mustafa akkad turned to halloween four writer and director alan b McElroy and dwight h little to return to their respective duties on the fifth film however they both declined gee i wonder why uh <laughs> ramsey thomas assumed producing responsibilities from the fourth films uh paul freeman and opted to hire playwright shim bitterman as a screenwriter yeah playwright to screenwriter for a horror movie that sounds like that'll work really well uh but we'll we'll keep going uh in bitterman's script halloween titled halloween five the killer inside me which was written in three days featured an evil jamie lloyd and resurrected michael myers once again 
However, Akkad was adamant about making Myers the sole antagonist of the film, which totally contradicts how they left us in part four because yeah. you assume that the whatever the evil was in Michael was transferred to Jamie. Nevertheless, Bitterman penned a second draft by February of 89, and Jeff Burr, director of From a Whisper to a Scream, was being courted to helm the film. Burr's producing partners, Darren Scott and William Burr, were also in the mix to co-produce alongside Thomas. The directing job was seemingly Burr's until series co-created co-creator Deborah Hill met director Dominique Othen Garrard at the 1989 Sundance Film Festival and recommended him to Akkad. So we've got a Sundance Film Festival director coming to Halloween. So after being instated as director, he infamously threw Bitterman's draft into a trash can in front of Akkad. <laughs> he brought in Robert Harders of Home Movies to write an entirely new draft which saw a Frankenstein-inspired story where Myers is resurrected and no longer evil, but is pursued by an angry mob. Boy, they, that that ang that angry mob came back with a vengeance uh, here recently. But anyway, uh, Harder's pitch was rejected, leading Othan Garrard to pitch a new concept with co-writer Michael Jacobs. The duo's initial title was, these titles get me, Halloween 5 and Things That Go Bump in the Night. <laughs> <laughs> After reviewing the screenplay, the director added Jamie's inability to speak to the draft, along with the supernatural plot device of her telepathic visions connected to Michael. Another departure from previous films in the series was the director's attempt to persuade the audience to relate to Michael Myers, who he intended to appear, quote unquote, more human, even vulnerable with contradicting feelings inside of him. He illustrated these feelings with a scene where Michael removes his mask and sheds a tear. Gerard explains again to humanize him, to give him a tear if evil, or in this case, our boogeyman knows pain or love or demonstrate a feeling of regret. He becomes even more scary to me if he pursues his action. He shows an evil determination beyond his feelings. Dr. Loomis tries to reach his emotional side several times in Halloween five. He thinks he can cure Michael through his feelings. That okay. uh, explanation helps me understand some of the choices in this movie and why they were completely wrong for this movie. It makes me want to see what some of those other movies yeah. would have turned into. If this one was as that was the best option. <laughs> right. It's right. still awful. Well, the crazy thing is, and I'm, I'm going to say spoiler alert for Halloween ends. It almost sounds like they brought back the idea. They were maybe planning for, mm -hmm. uh, for Jamie with a uh, Corey. In, yeah. Uh, Halloween ends. Yeah, it seems like some of the things that didn't make it seem to kind of trickle their way into the newer sequels that we got here recently, like the, the mob chasing after him, that kind of stuff. But yeah, the Frankenstein story, I did read another another trivia thing where they were they gave a little bit more information about that one, where it was like uh it was the the beginning of the movie was a big thunderstorm, and the thunderstorm is what brought Michael back to life. And Wait, him, isn't that Friday the 13th part yeah, six? Exactly. Okay. And then uh him and Jamie then become like they're still there, there's this telepathic thing, but they're talking to each other and helping each other, which once again goes kind of the 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 newer sequel where Michael gets a uh a, a apprentice, apprentice you'd yeah. say. Yeah, so yeah, it's just weird. But uh, the titles were my favorite part of those. Halloween and things that go bump in the night or the killer inside me. 
which is wrong when you're talking about <laughs> a 10-year-old girl. Right, right. Yeah. And that was the other thing. One of the one of those, I think the res the Frankenstein one was it was gonna be 10 years later. And so it was gonna be a teenage Jamie, but Akkad said he couldn't do it because he'd already promised Danielle Harris that she could come back for the next installment. And so yeah, it, it we really want you back. We right. don't want you to talk. Yeah, but we'd love yeah. to have you back. Yeah, what a what a horrifying experience for her to make this movie because just about every scene, we want you to shake and scream and cry in pretty much every scene of this movie, uh, and just be terrorized for uh, every scene that you're in until and, the last thirty minutes when all of a sudden you can talk now. Yep, right, totally right. Yeah, you saw <laughs> your your yeah. stepsisters friend and had all of a sudden switched your vocal cords on right okay you you just said stepsister and then there's a part in the movie where loomis i believe says stepmother they yes. weren't his step they were foster right am i because I, I didn't I, I did not go back and watch the fourth one <laughs> yeah. so i i think I don't think they were. I don't. I don't think they were sisters. Or I thought she was like a niece, or she was a cousin. Because I was thinking that she came from another family and was staying with them. Well, that's what I'm. I was thinking that it was a foster mother that Jamie had tried to kill uh, at the end, or Um, or she was the daughter of the father or the mother. Yeah, they they was it was a maybe it was steps like they were a new couple. I don't remember. Go ahead, Charlie. I think that in return in Halloween four, mm-hmm. they are referred to as foster, but in this one they're referred to as step. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm that's, yeah, right. that's where I was confused because I, I could have swore it was foster. I think okay. it was a little retcon. Maybe. Oh, which these Halloween movies love to do. <laughs> there are three continuities with these Halloween movies. Uh, You're not even gonna get to finish this one because the sixth movie came out in the nineties. Yeah, like 95, like it wasn't even like a year or two later. It was it was much later, which is why I didn't even realize there was a part six until I was doing the research for this one. All right, let's talk about this real fast. So in the original closing scene, after Jamie finds that Michael has escaped, spoilers, has escaped from the police station, she is approached by a black cloaked figure. At the time of filming, it was still unknown who this figure was. It would only be expanded on and explained in the subsequent film Halloween, The Curse, of Michael Myers in 1995, and the scene in question was attached to the beginning of the producer's cut of that film as a flashback. Though the cuts made it to the beginning and ending of the film largely diminished the subplot, the man in black character still appears momentarily on several occasions in the film, which led to some confusion among audiences upon its original release. I'm still I confused. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they show him getting off the bus. Right. And then you've got this silhouette mowing down the police. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see him kind of walking around in a few shots. And like, I'm expecting like some big payoff at the end. So then when you see him going into the police station, I'm like, okay, I'm open to see this one on one confrontation. And, uh, and me and Charlie were joking about earlier, like he was going to be like the long lost brother of Michael or like some other sibling that, <laughs> you know, you, you talk to me telepathically. Yeah. Yeah. My, why not? I mean, you know, the sibling part, I mean, they've been doing that since Halloween too. So, and might as well keep keep that that part going, but yeah, it definitely it does get explained in Curse of Michael. Okay. So I guess there is a payoff, but I heard that um, is it though? 
Well, it's not a good payoff, but you do you do learn why he's there, what he is, stuff like that. But um, I heard that they added the the man in black is mm-hmm. his name or whatever, right? Um, just to fix plot holes in this movie. And then when they made the sixth one, they had to reincorporate that character to explain why he was there in the first place. Good old retcon again. Mm-hmm. And now these messages. Are you a fan of movies and TV shows inspired by comics? Ready for a podcast that dives deep into the thrilling world of adaptations? Well, look no further. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. This is your go-to podcast for all things comics on screen. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and every Monday we explore the dynamic universe where ink meets action. We break down the classics, reveal hidden gems, and uncover the creative process behind your favorite adaptations. Subscribe to Moving Panels now on your favorite podcast platform and join us on this epic journey through the pages of comics and onto the big screen. Remember, new episodes drop every Monday. Don't miss out. Moving Panels, where every panel has a story and every adaptation is a blockbuster. Subscribe today and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Hey there, fellow 80s movie aficionados. Are you ready to embark on a nostalgia-filled journey to the greatest era of cinema? Then look no further than the Retro Life for You 80s Movie Podcast. Join us every week as we rewind the VHS tape, dust off those Betamax classics, and dive headfirst into the neon-soaked, totally tubular world of the 1980s movies. From the Brat Pack to action heroes, we've got it all covered. Breakfast Club, Ghostbusters, E.T. and Indiana Jones, and more. It's like a trip in Doc Brown's time machine, but without the DeLorean. So whether you're a diehard 80s film buff, or just curious about the cinematic gems of the past, Retro Life for You is your ticket to the ultimate movie time war. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Retro Life for You, and we can be found anywhere you listen to your podcast as well as on our website, www.retrolife, the number four, the letter U.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, well, let's talk about casting. And this will be very quick because most of the cast is returning from the last movie and the other ones aren't really worth mentioning. So here we go. Returning from Halloween 4 was Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis, and boy, I can't wait to talk about him here in a few minutes, along with Danielle Harris, Ellie Cornell, and Bo Starr as Jamie Lloyd, Rachel Carruthers, and Sheriff Ben Meeker, respectively. Though enthusiastic of reprising her role as Rachel, Cornell was disappointed to learn that her character would be killed early in the film. In the original screenplay, her character died after Michael shoved a pair of scissors down her throat, 
but Cornell felt this would be too gruesome and requested the writers change it. As a result, she's instead stabbed in the chest. You know, I was about to say she was still stabbed with scissors. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Karen Alston, who portrayed Darlene Carruthers in the previous film, the stepmom, foster mom, reprised her role in the beginning of the film, showing the anonymous person in the mask stabbing her as she falls into the bathtub. Her voiceover was recorded by Wendy Kaplan, and Kaplan is the one who actually played the role of Tina Williams, the loud and wily friend of Rachel's. Okay. Uh, we won't talk about Wendy Kaplan because she had really no other acting credits besides this movie. I mean, she did she did a few things, but nothing, nothing major. But she did look somewhat familiar. Like I felt like I'd seen her in other things. Maybe she just kind of had that that face that made you think she'd been in other things. But I was disappointed that uh, Rachel was killed off early in the movie because you know they had a good dynamic from the end of part four. So I, I was expecting that to kind of continue in part five, but. Um, but this movie's already ripping so much off from the Friday the 13th movie. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you, you kill uh, Alice in the first 10 minutes of <laughs> Friday the 13th part two. So. Right, right. Yeah, it was mainly just frustrating as far as a story point because mm -hmm. she was the final girl. Yeah. She was making these, you know, jumping on the roof and saving her sister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she goes and after she already knows that Michael was in the house earlier, she goes back in and she's just chilling. Yeah. Okay. This is, I, I hate that they killed her off because she was the best character in the, in yeah. the she was actually, I, I really agree. I think she was a stronger character than was it Rachel, Tina, Ra the Tina and Samantha, mm -hmm. the two other, the two other girls eh. that we get later on. So Samantha wasn't a character. Yeah, <laughs> she was a she was a body count later. Yeah, on. yeah. Samantha was, Samantha was a victim. That's awesome. Well, that was the thing. Like, why why introduce two new characters that to kill them? The, yeah, yeah. So, which you know, go that's, back to our yeah, Friday. I mean, that's the, classic yeah. slasher. Yeah, we'll go back to our Friday the Thirteenth Part Five episode a couple weeks ago, and you know we know how that turned out. Where you you have a producer that says. Uh, I want to kill every eight minutes. So you just keep introducing new characters to kill them off five minutes later. So uh, you lose count of who's who and why they're even in this movie. But but back to this one. So uh, we'll talk about Tamara Glenn, who played Samantha. She began her career as a teenager in the late 80s, appearing in TV shows such as Miami Vice and Growing Pains, before becoming known for her horror roles in this movie, as well as an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. And she also had a cameo role as a mother in the slasher film Terrifier 2, featuring horror icons Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Art the Clown of the Terror Fire franchise. I haven't seen Terrifier 2 yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to keep my eye out for her. when I. <laughs> and then uh, we'll mention Don Shanks, who actually played Michael Myers, and he played the man in black because they had him film both parts of that. George P. Wilbur, who had portrayed the shape in the previous film, did not express interest in returning to play the role, but he did work as a stunt player in this movie. Don Shanks was cast to play the speechless, white-mashed murderer. Shanks had already played a similar character in the first two Silent Night, Deadly Night films. Shanks also had a double role as the man in black. Wilbur, who had to wear hockey pads to appear to have a bigger build, would later portray the shape again in the next installment, Halloween 6. Shanks did not have to wear the hockey pads because he already had a larger build. Same thing with Michael Myers and Jason with different people playing them. They they always either look bigger, smaller, more yeah, padded, taller, shorter, taller, shorter. Yeah. It's always interesting. 
So was it actually Don Shanks when Michael takes the mask off? I think so. Yeah. Did you almost actually get to see him? Yeah. Falls yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because he looked like it looked like he looked very young. Like he didn't seem to be an older person, which I expected him to look like. But it's you know it's kind of hard to see. But I, he looked younger than I thought he was going to look. I'm trying to remember what his age should be at this point. The first one was in '79, and he's right. supposed to be 20, 21. So if this one is 10 years later, he should be 30. 30, yeah. So and so the events when he was a kid mm -hmm. murdered his sister was 1963, and he was six years old. Okay. So if this, the question is, is this supposed to be 1989? Nine. It is, because it starts off the movie with, um, and when it shows the flashback, it says. One year later. Halloween, yeah. 1980. Which can we can we talk about that because I have some issues with that. Go for it. It's been one year. That old man just left Michael laying on that slab <laughs> for a whole year, just a body mm -hmm. laying on that slab. And it took him a whole year to recover. It, it was yeah. the the spirit of Halloween had to come and bring him back fully, because it always has to happen on Halloween or Halloween Eve, right? Yeah. Yeah. What else are you supposed to do with the bodies that just wash up on your house? <laughs> I have an interesting note about that, so I'll jump down here. By the way, a uh, quick quick little math. Yeah. Uh, if this was supposed to be 1989, Michael should have been about 32. Okay. 32 is not old. I don't know why I thought he would be older. but So the old hermit from the opening scene was originally scripted as a younger man named Dr. Death, who had a fascination with the occult. His shack was supposed to be filled with ancient ruins and tablets, and he attempted to bring Michael back to life after finding him. The scene was filmed and can be seen in the documentary Inside Halloween Five that came out in 2000. But yeah, there was there was a there was a little bit that I read a little bit more about that that character where there's supposed to be more to that story than we actually saw. No, it's supposed to be a lot more with like a cult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was trying. He he had been attempting to try to bring Michael back from the dead, is what it seemed like. And then all of a sudden, a year later, he sits up. Finds his mask perfectly placed just above his head. We can grab it and we don't see his face. So, well, that's the thing. Did Jamie, with her little twitching, did she wake him up? Because he, she twitches in the bed and then he, right. And that's when she starts like acting out the same thing he's doing. So, did Jamie's spirit, I guess, is that <laughs> woke him up? The supernatural so, telekinetic powers. So you mean like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, uh, the oh, yeah. blood, where the yeah, the girl with the telekinetic abilities accidentally wakes up Jason? Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> well, that didn't come stole, out. They stole so much. <laughs> oh yeah, I was saying that came out before this one, so it's very yep, possible. I was eighty-eight. Yep. yep. There you go. All right. The only other person in the cast I'll mention, and he's the traditional that guy with the we always uh, find in these movies. And that's a, a name that I wouldn't recognize, but I definitely recognize his face. Troy Evans as Deputy Charlie. Good, good name there, Charlie. Uh, he's good. best best known for his role as desk clerk Francis Frank Martin in the television series ER, and more recently for his role as Detective Johnson in a Amazon TV series Bosch. He's also appeared in Ace Ventura. Pet there Detective you go. Under, <laughs> Under Siege, Teen Wolf, Cuffs, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Demolition Man, The Frighteners, Tiger Cruise, View from the Top, 
and Article 99, among others. His filmography is very long, but uh, but yeah, as soon as I saw him as the deputy, I was like, I know that guy. But yeah, Ace Ventura for sure. Teen Wolf, I remember him in Teen Wolf, and I definitely remember him from ER. So I'm a big Frighteners fan, so I'll yeah, that. Frighteners is great. That's a that is a totally underrated movie for sure. I rewatched that one I think last year because I hadn't seen it in a long time. Good old Peter Jackson pre Lord of the Rings fame. All right, well, let's talk a little. I want to talk about Dr. Loomis before we get into iconic scenes. Did anybody else think that Dr. Loomis was going to become like the villain? Did it seem more terrorizing than Michael through most of this movie, or is it just me? I was more afraid of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, mannerisms and language and all that other thing. But I, I didn't think that he was going to become the bad guy. I thought, if anything, they were going to go back to Halloween 4 and have Jamie do it. Mm-hmm kind of snaps back into her little mute state because that's what Michael's always been. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they just, you know, decided to ruin it in the last 20 minutes. (laughs) I don't know. He goes from being this, this character in the first couple of movies that he's truly trying to help Mm -hmm. to in these movies, he's turned into Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. Yeah, he's so actually with the net. He he, yeah, yeah, yeah. The net was an interesting twist. I was like, Oh, okay, sign above it. (laughs) Acme nets, yes. Uh, but yeah, I like about halfway through the movie, I was like, He's traumatizing Jamie almost more than Michael is by he's always screaming at her and like, You've got to tell me where he is, and like, just the whole know where he is. Yes, I was like, Gosh, can you just take it down a few notches. You're being, I was like, I mean, I felt like he was going, like he was going crazy in the whole process, which would have been its own interesting plot twist, I guess. But um, it didn't need any more twists at this point. I don't think, uh, but he said he was very vocal about his dissatisfaction with the story and the way that the director was trying to get him to play Dr. Loomis as totally heavy and overbearing. Pleasance also felt that his success and the shock ending of Halloween four was not being capitalized on, citing that Jamie should have been portrayed as all evil after stabbing her stepmother. We all agree. Akkad, although disagreed, thinking the fans wanted to see more of the shape. In an interview, Danielle Harris explained that she thought of the idea of what she thought of the idea. She said, the way Halloween 4 ended, I thought I was going to be the killer. I thought it would have been fun to come back as the killer or even as Michael's sidekick. Scary, but fun. Yeah, I don't know if they could have done that with her at the age she was. Yeah, I think that was I think that had a lot to do with it. Because there's actually a scene where she got stabbed in the leg in that scene where she's in the uh she's caught dumb in waiter. the the dumbwaiter or, or the, 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 the laundry, the laundry Yeah. And they said that they actually they were actually going to give it an X rating because of him actually it's you know stabbing killing a stab, stabbing a 10-year-old that was too traumatic and so they they ended up uh removing that shot crazy how far we've come because in the new halloweens he definitely <laughs> kills a kid yeah a couple a couple of them yeah but i i think i think what both of them said is correct i much rather would have seen a jamie is the new shape mm-hmm. um, i think they missed their opportunity but i also get having a 10 year old as the murderer but yeah. i think Kind of cool, a little. I mean, hopefully, they probably would have started stealing storylines from Chucky, but at least you get a little bit a different view there. No, no, no. They're they're still stealing from Friday the Thirteenth because <laughs> at the end of Part Four, yeah, uh, the final chapter, it's led to believe that Tommy Jarvis mm-hmm. is going to be the new killer. 
Right. And then they come back in part five, which you just covered, and they mm. go a completely different route. Yeah. They, nobody nobody wants to stick with how they ended the movie. They didn't no. they didn't know how this franchise thing really works. They were just oh they'll by the time this comes out, they'll forget what happened in the last one. It won't matter. Yeah. But, I do also agree with the producer on this one though, is like, I want to see Michael killing. Um mm. I want to see Michael doing what Michael does best. Yeah. So I can yeah. see the back and forth. I think both of them would have been a decent story, mm-hmm. um, but instead we got whatever this was. Yeah, yeah, because we don't even get a lot of murders in this one. No, not really. Like, not it, not as many and, as the other ones. And and there's the the two you know two Barney Fife cops that they get <laughs> yeah. they get murdered off screen. Right, yeah. so right. We don't even get the thrill of you know some cool death scene there. Yeah. yeah. A 20 25 minute break between some of the kills between Mikey, Tina's boyfriend, and mm-hmm. then the is Spence when they're in the barn. Mm-hmm. 25 almost 30 minute break between kills. So, here's the thing about uh, you know, lots of movies, screenwriting 101, maybe. Do you really want to name a character Michael? Right, uh, yeah, <laughs> I they don't did. know what. Was it, it was it for the joke because he dressed as Michael? Right, right. Yeah. It took me a second when she kept saying, "Come on, Michael, Michael." I was like, "Wait a minute, do you know who's on there?" I was like, "No, yeah. oh, the guy, the boyfriend's name is Michael." Like, who thought that was a good idea? Such yeah, a, such a funny, funny joke. Right, right. And uh, I will also bring in the uh, the other guy, the um, you know, the guy straight out of the fifties in this late eighties movie. Um, <laughs> him. Uh, with the the mask that I guess Tina had gave him to wear, mm-hmm. and then Michael puts it on, which is the goofiest thing. Mm-hmm. But also, not only stealing from Friday the Thirteenth, you know, with the uh, the hockey, the or- whole origin of the hockey mask, but also stealing from your own movie when Michael did it with the the ghost outfit. Mm-hmm. Except at least when, while he was wearing the ghost outfit, he <laughs> murdered someone. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, he just looks awkwardly at Tina while he has all this time in the world. Yeah, why is he driving her around? Like, what? You know. Yeah, this is only the second movie, I think they said, where he actually drives a vehicle. Yeah. He hadn't driven a vehicle since the first one. Yeah, he did in the first one. Yeah, which was always a big question. How did he know how to drive? Where did he learn how to drive? He's been been in the the same asylum for uh, 10 years. After he's been escaping all this time, he just goes to the, the demolition derby park. And- <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about iconic scenes. Favorite scenes? <laughs> Are there any in this movie? I don't think there's really an iconic scene in this one. Nothing no. nothing stood out as being iconic to me. I think the most iconic scene is just the chase scene at the end, which is actually, I think, very good. Mm-hmm. The laundry shoot. I think that's it's very suspenseful and i think they pull it off very well that's probably the only memorable scene yeah you you brought a good good point i think watching this one it felt more like it was trying to be more a suspense thriller than the slasher that we expected it to be and the others really are and like you said that the the long time between kills gives it more of that they're trying to build all this tension between where it's not just you know, one after the other kind of a thing. And there's really no, I guess the party scene with the cops and the, you know, the couple in the barn, that's the only time that he 
like does multiple kills in one area where in the other movies, there's always that one house or where, you know, he ends up, you know, storing the bodies in one place and they all fall out or get hung up or, or, Which you know, they, shown. they tried to have that moment in this movie. Yeah. With the, with the two bodies falling out of the barn when she sits on the hay or whatever. Well, no, no, I'm talking about uh, when Jamie goes up into the attic and you've got Max, the dog. Oh yeah. Body. Yeah. And then, I don't mm -hmm. even know who the other body was. The other body supposed to be that first. That's yeah, one's the sister and one's the yeah. awful boyfriend. Yeah, the boyfriend. That was it. Right. Oh yeah. Dis Mike. He was disguising himself as. Wait, which Mike? <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which that's the other thing. Like, is is uh, Michael? Because he murdered that guy somewhere completely. Distant. Like this wasn't mm -hmm. like in the in the first movie where he's killing people in one house and just taking them next door. Mm -hmm. Like he had to transport this body. He was in the trunk of the car, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the trunk, right? Yeah, and don't get me again on the mimicking Jason with the the <laughs> killing the two making out or having sex in, mm -hmm. the, in the hay, you know. Yeah. With a pitchfork and a scythe and mm -hmm. Just ripping Jason off again. Yep. yep That's like yep. one way they didn't rip Jason off, or at least not yet in this timeline, is Michael looked like an alien in his little mask. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when um, Loomis is sitting there trying to reason with him at the very end. Mm -hmm. They're holding the knife, and he's, you know, like six inches taller than Loomis. And he's like looking up to the left and right. <laughs> he looks like an alien. I love that he's holding the knife like up at his shoulder, even when he's like a whole floor above Loomis. He's just standing there holding it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, what are you doing, Michael? Like, you're just <laughs> you're just posing, right? Man, this movie's bad. Yeah, this movie's bad. <laughs> this is this has been painful to really talk about because it's Be hard. because again, again, are there bad Friday the Thirteenth movies? Yes. yes, but are they still enjoyable to watch? Yes. Are Most there them, bad yes. Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Yes. Yes. But are they still enjoyable to watch? Yes. yes. This one's not enjoyable to watch. Yeah, this one's pretty terrible. I really shot myself in the foot this holiday. Choosing <laughs> <laughs> this one and Friday the Thirteenth Part Five back to back. It's like, yeah, it's like we got we've got to go watch something good after this one to to kind of cleanse our palate to uh, start afresh, but. It's even bad with the quote-unquote storytelling because especially at the end of the movie, there's just so many coincidences. Mm -hmm. Just It's just frustrating to watch. Mm -hmm. you know, through the woods and Mike's in the car trying to run over people. And then all of a sudden, Loomis is there. Yeah, all, he so, pops up out of nowhere. There with the entire police force. And then while they're at the house, someone calls and says that there's an um, emergency at the, um, the children's clinic. And mm -hmm. then cop there knowing that Michael's coming, every cop heads to the clinic. It's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, cause even after they leave, Loomis goes, all right, come on, Michael. Come yeah. On. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was all a trap. Can either one of y'all tell me what happened to Billy? Uh, who's Billy? Yeah. The, yeah. Billy? <laughs> the, the other little kid. Uh, Jamie's oh, friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what happened to Billy? <laughs> I need to know. I, mean, I think he got left in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> you mean after did, he got hit by the car? I was about to say, did Michael kill him when he hit him with the car? 
No, no it, because he comes, but he comes, he he shows up a little right after that. Yeah. Oh he, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. One of my favorite scenes is when the mute Jamie and the stutterer Billy are trying to communicate what Jamie. <laughs> yeah. And Loomis is just sitting there screaming at them both. Right. Hey. So. Oh, I absolutely love when Loomis just apparently has a heart attack or a stroke <laughs> while he's yes. Yes. Yeah, in the process of taking out Michael. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be his original death, and then they they changed it with. And they uh, decided to make a part six. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I think he said in the interview before this one came out that he was gonna die. He was supposed to die in this one, mm-hmm. and so they t- ended up changing it. Yeah. And made part six in which uh, Donald Pleasance actually died. Because mm-hmm. he, he uh, Donald Pleasance died the same year that six came out. Yeah, he died before its actual release. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. What are, let's, what are the trivia again? Yeah, I'm let's kind of lighten something up here. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I mentioned this earlier. So I'll go ahead and. Oh, well, let me say this first. So despite the subtitle, The Revenge of Michael Myers, which appears on all There's the no movie revenge. covers and posters, no it does revenge. not appear in the actual film. It only says no Halloween revenge. 5 and not many Yeah. And I didn't realize, I kept thinking that this one was called Curse of Michael Myers, not The Revenge of Michael Myers. No. It doesn't really fit. So. So I mentioned earlier, the Jamie Lloyd character has a striking parallel to the Tommy Jarvis character from the Friday the 13th series. Both characters appeared in the fourth, fifth, and sixth films of their respective series. They were both about the same age in their first appearance. They both become institutionalized and develop homicidal tendencies themselves after the killer. But and they this, aged Tommy. Yeah, they aged. Well, they did. Yeah. That, that wasn't intentional. That was only because Corey Feldman couldn't couldn't be in it because of uh being a part of Goonies. Yeah, but it worked better to make it did. him it did yeah. make him a teenager in the second second appearance. Yeah. So Jamie starts out as a mute in the fifth Friday the thirteenth, Tommy rarely speaks. At the end of that film, Tommy is seen holding a knife and essentially becoming Jason. At the end of the previous Halloween, Jamie is seen holding a pair of scissors and she essentially becomes Michael, or at least that's what they wanted us to believe. So so interesting that I did not plan for these I didn't know know that putting these two movies back to back on my schedule. <laughs> so just kind of, and really just kind of fell that way because these were the next in the series of the, of the franchises as we were going. So, all right. Should have so, done Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I got to get back to that one. Definitely. I need some dream warriors in my life. Oh, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fun one. That's like the best one of the, well, besides like the, the first best one. kills. You want yeah. some iconic scenes? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll all be back together for that episode. We'll, we'll do that one next year. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Don Shanks, who was playing Michael in The Shape, was injured when he was filming the scene where The Shape crashes Mike's Camaro into the tree. Uh, the director forgot to yell cut, and fire was beginning to emerge from the car. Shanks, who was not wearing flame retardant clothing, claims that he was told not to leave the totaled automobile until the director said cut and decided to stay inside the vehicle for about a minute because the director had not done so. Shanks put this down. Shanks is just sitting there going, y'all smell something? Right. (laughs) (laughs) He says he thinks this because the director was sidetracked by seeing stunts take place during his first major directing job. It turns out he was so shocked by the realism of the wreck that he forgot to shout cut. It was finally stunt coordinator Don Pike who told the director to yell cut and did so just in time for Shanks to leave the wreckage. So I mentioned earlier, the film had been fighting an X rating with violence, blood, and gore. Some scenes were trimmed down to keep it rated R, including a shot of Michael, I'm sorry, a shot of Mike, not Michael Myers, quivering (laughs) on the ground after Michael Myers, not the other Mike that he killed, 
stabs him in the head with a hand rake. There's a, a shot of glass embedded in Officer Eddie's face after Michael punches through the windshield and Billy's leg being hit by the Camaro and the scythe that kills Samantha was originally supposed to go through her forehead. I would have much preferred those deaths. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. You've got the original Friday the 13th where you got this awesome effect of the arrow coming up through Kevin Bacon's mm-hmm. neck. Yeah. I mean, there's some great visuals out there, and you're going to mm-hmm. take a, a movie in 1989. I mean, come on. Uh, Temple of Doom had someone ripping someone's heart out. <laughs> right. And that was PG. Or in before yeah, they even had PG thirteen before PG thirteen, but right, but still, like, yeah, no, nah, yeah, it, it would have made the deaths a lot again, made it more fun if yeah. we actually get to see some of it. I sound but, sadistic saying all of this. <laughs> I'm just gonna point that out. <laughs> but that was the same issue we had with part five. Like they they did the same thing. With, uh, Friday the Thirteenth part five was they kept cutting. They cut it so much, and when you even watching the theatrical version, it feels like a made for TV movie because most of the deaths are off screen or below camera where nothing was really, sh- really shown. So it, it did lose some of its effect that way. I was gonna say Mikey's kill was actually fairly decent. It, it yeah. did have very Friday the 13th esque, mm-hmm. pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure the version I watched was made for TV because <laughs> I watched some scenes later um, that, I definitely did not see while I was watching it. So there were uh, the the version I watched probably could have just been PG. And now these messages. <sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. But that's all the trivia I got, so we'll uh, jump into box office and critical reception. And It was bad. <laughs> yeah. Good enough to make a six one, though. Right. Well, they had to. Six years point. later, but... Yeah, yeah. So uh, Halloween 5 opened theatrically on October 13th, Friday, October 13th, 1989. It earned $5.1 million in its opening weekend, ranking number two at the U.S. box office behind Look Who's Talking in its first week as well. It continued to screen throughout November and with a reported earning of $449,000 during the weekend of November 3rd, showing on 537 screens. Not a very big release, it seems. The film's theatrical run lasted about three months, concluding in December with an ultimate gross of $11.6 million domestically. I think they said this was the least, the sequel that made the least amount of money up to that point. So, yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes has it at 11% on the tomato meter with a 36% audience score. IMDb is 4.9 out of 10 with viewers and a big old 28 on Metacritic. Wow. <laughs> 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's crazy. Yeah. Accurate? Uh, I mean, I hate, I always hate giving movies that low of a range. Yeah. This one's bad. Yeah. 
I also hate Rotten Tomato, but yeah, this one's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that low. I mean, I I don't. It, yeah, I don't. I don't really grade anything that low. Anything I grade that low, I would as uh, something I haven't even finished. Like I finished watching this one. It was. Yeah, I will say, I never, I never not finish a movie. Okay. Uh, I will suffer through it. Uh, <laughs> I never not finish a movie. But yeah, out of ten, if I were to rank this, I yeah, I don't know. I'd probably five would probably be the highest. I could yeah, have. that's where I that's where I put it. I, it's a five out of ten for me, which is pretty much like a D minus or an F if you're giving it a a, a letter grade. Oh, as a teacher, I'm failing this. Yeah. <laughs> you agree, Charlie? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. It, Needs to go back and uh, get some extra credit somewhere. <laughs> no, nope. it needs to repeat. And that's exactly, <laughs> they did one more movie and then they just decided, you know, we're just going to wipe the slate clean. And uh, It would have got an F for cheating because it just stole from too many other better it movies, that, better stories. Not that Friday the 13th was much better, but uh, somewhat better. But it was more fun. I want to make yeah. that clear. Yes. I'm not saying that Friday the 13th Part 5 or... Uh, part seven, which is mm -hmm. the other one that it stole a lot from. I'm not going to say they're good, but they're more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't feel like it's a chore watching it. Mm -hmm. This one almost felt like, a yeah, chore. this one didn't have the same fun that you expect from these type of movies. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. We're going to wrap this one up. I think it might be my shortest episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> Even with two co-hosts, we didn't have enough to talk about. But I mean, I think we've, you know, we've, we've heard everything. Yeah. There's not, there's nothing that we really, there was nothing I really loved about the movie. I think, you know, the best sequences really, even though the whole tone of the movie changed at the end, like I think with, like Charlie's saying, the, the laundry shoot scene was good tension. The chase scene at the end was good tension, but that, it took so long to get there and everything that they did up to that point was just so all over the place. It just, it didn't have, it didn't have the effect it needed to have, but then so, too, I think they're just, they were still trying to, they were trying to add those typical slasher elements to a thriller that he, the director was obviously trying to make at the beginning of the movie. So I, I just got reminded of this while you were talking. Okay. When, when they first introduced us to deputy Ross and deputy Farah, the two bumbling right, right. cops. Was it just me, or is there like almost like little dip 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 dip, dip, dip music playing in the background? <laughs> yes, of yes, like yeah. yes. Which it, completely it, it, dissociated it from yes being a horror movie. Yeah, I actually think I muted the TV because I thought it was music playing somewhere else, and I could just <laughs> I heard it. Nope. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody somebody made that conscious decision. Yeah. And they they do it later on. He like, oh yeah, we're not good cops. Like thirty minutes later, and he mm -hmm. like yeah. shoulder, and it does another little whistle. Yeah, boing, boing, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, the characters in this movie are pretty awful. Yes, Tina, the Rachel's friend. Like they took mm -hmm. out the best character. Right. Other main character doesn't talk for half the movie. Then your other main character Loomis is a psycho. Mm -hmm. Her other main character is Tina, Rachel's friend, and she's annoying the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I love how she, you know, she gets to the clinic and uh, right. and Jamie's finally speaking. She was like, "Say it again," and it's, right, it's right. a sweet moment. She was right. like, "All right, I got a piece out. I got a party to go to." <laughs> yeah. um, while she's like freaking out, bawling her eyes out on the bed, she's like, "Oh, yeah. sorry. right, oh. right." I don't think you and understand. I have to go to this party, right? Okay. And I didn't understand why there was a, I mean, I know it's Halloween for the costume party, 
but why was you know did anybody else think that that jamie was going to fall from the top of the platform where she was standing when she starts having her little breakdown do you remember what i'm talking about yeah it yeah definitely started falling back and then yeah falling. yeah i was like i, was like, I she, also let her if you fall. live if you yeah. live in haddonfield illinois mm -hmm. is dressing up like mike myers really a good yeah. idea yeah yeah I would think that would be illegal to do in that town. Like he should, he should have been arrested right then by the cops. I would have just shot him for cause. Like, it, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure in some movie, some sheriff gave you know a you know shoot first, ask questions later. Right, right. When this it came was, to Mike Myers, this was the '80s. After all, that's that was pretty common back then. But anyway, you were gonna say Charlie? I was just gonna say that it's it's almost like he was asking for it. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. take. Two young girls. You have the exact same outfit on that mm -hmm. he was wearing. That wasn't his costume at the party. He changed yeah. that. Right. And he then was wielding a knife, which yeah. you couldn't tell if it was fake or not. And right. then you doofus cops that you're running right at. So I mean, it's almost like he was doing it on purpose, which even takes more away from the story and the characters. Yeah. <laughs> yep, like that is exactly i think the sound i made when this movie ended <sighs> yes and then how it ended was so i mean yeah she comes and finds just like smoke and people dead in, in the jail and gone and like that's it that's the end of the mm -hmm. movie we'll see you in yeah. seven six years, years six years <laughs> all right i will say the other thing that i actually did like about this movie if yes. you can you can get past a few things is the beginning when he escapes it mm -hmm. actually makes sense if you can escape the fact that there's like a mine shaft in a graveyard mm -hmm. hooked up to a river system it makes sense that he falls and then the river sweeps him away and then he's just gone mm -hmm. the other movies where uh like in two you know he gets blown up in a hospital fire and oh no he's fine right first one he's just dis disappears he just gets up and walks away and they just don't see him and he's mm -hmm. just gone for a year he's like oh, I'll, I'll try again next year <laughs> this one at least okay he gets swept away they don't know where he is he's in some random mountain man's house it at least kind of makes sense yeah i'll give you that now again i didn't go back and watch four but as you talked about that it reminded me of something else does he not Dracula raise up at the at the beginning there when he yes. falls down? Like I'm not talking about the Mike Myers traditional sit up, you know, the right. Undertaker sit up. I'm talking about like flat, he just straight up to his feet, like Dracula coming out of his coffin. Is that not how Mike rose up right before he's blown away by the cops? I don't, I don't remember. I think so. I'm pretty sure he. I might need to see it. Yeah. Pretty sure he. We'll he, go back to the tape after we record. Yeah, <laughs> it's this typical setup, and then he off screen or like I think it's actually behind Jamie's head is when he stands up. But I, I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. With the way these movies go, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, because it was pretty much they just replayed the end of four at the beginning of five, and up until that point where he's, yeah, like you said, he falls, he goes to under the into the mine shaft, and then out into the water. Okay, can we finish now? <laughs> Everybody's saying what they're gonna say. <laughs> uh, Again, that's uh, something I kept saying while I was watching this movie. Can, right. can it finish now? Can we finish now? 
All right. Well, thanks guys so much for being a part. Well, wait, one more thing. Let's okay. keep the conversation going. Like the spirit <laughs> keeps going. <laughs> Let's bring it back for another. Don't worry. Time. I'll just end the episode with just like complete silence and just until they like, like this movie did, we're just, it'll just fade to black. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, Larry, you got anything coming up on moving panels you want to talk about? I've wrapped up most of my, uh, Halloween episodes. I mm-hmm. do have a one shot coming up, uh, right before Halloween, uh, where you, you will actually be joining me for that one, uh, to, oh, yeah. talk, to talk about, um, what candies we think superheroes would like. Uh, so <laughs> just, just a fun little conversation. And yeah, then that's going to be a good one. Yeah, and then I'm excited to get into, uh, I, I know I got November, but getting into the Christmas episode. That's what mm-hmm. always excited about those. Always fun. Uh, Charlie hasn't started a podcast yet, so he doesn't have anything to uh, to to plug. But <laughs> Nothing to plug except my favorite holidays coming up. Halloween's my favorite, so yeah. um, I'm excited for this holiday season. So, all right. So, I'll the, since you don't have anything to, to plug, I'll ask you this question. So, what are give us your top five go to every Halloween mov- movies that you have to watch? What's on your top five? Oh man! So, and they don't have to be eighties. You can be any of them. Yeah. So, Halloween one. Mm-hmm. Seven, then I even like the Halloween twenty eighteen. That one's I yes, think that's, yes, that's a really good reboot. Yeah. Um, Everything after it failed miserably, but the first one was yes, good. yes. Um, Alien, love Alien. Okay. The thing, the thing is great. Good one. And then uh, I'll put a Friday the Thirteenth in there. I really <laughs> love Friday the Thirteenth. I really like two and three. Um, two and three are the best, in my opinion. And then even, maybe, even maybe, with all the gimmicks of three, because they did yeah, it in three D. Well, that's incredibly annoying. But I think I think <laughs> it's the most relatable. It's the most realistic air quotes realistic mm. uh, it, it makes the most sense yeah the 3d is incredibly frustrating yeah. but yeah those are those are some of my top halloween movies the three is iconic because it's the first time he wears the mask so that mm-hmm. he, it, has, it has to go in the it has to get some points for that to make make the list for sure oh yeah so so there you got a top five I'll, I'll give you the same question if you were thinking about it I honestly, I don't think I do. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm such a big horror movie guy. Like, I it's just whatever I'm in the mood for. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I will, I will put, um, you know, the classics like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street out there. Uh, Evil Dead. Yeah, that's the also, one. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. So oh yeah. Out there, but I mean, even just watching something like uh, uh, Night, the original Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's a great Halloween, you know, scary movie. But I mean, I even every Halloween, I even look for those ones that you just had never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I will just plug this one really quick. I've just stumbled on one actually today called Circle that was on Netflix. Apparently, came mm-hmm. out in like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an independent movie, but it is. I'm not going to say it's necessarily scary, but it's very suspenseful. And man, has it got a twisted ending. So, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, I'm always looking for, for just something different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to, I don't, I don't think I have any go-tos every, every year, but I'm always, because like I said, it's well-known, well-documented on this show that I've done a big horror fan growing up. So a lot of them I haven't seen, especially from the eighties. Like I watched a lot of the Friday the 13th movies. Most of my stuff was like late eighties, early nineties. So 
uh, I do tend to go back and watch some of the '80s ones that I haven't seen before. Like I don't, I've never seen any of the Child's Play movies, so I may watch those. Uh, yeah, let's bring those in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've watched this. I watched. I watched Evil First, Dead Two recently. I watched uh, House on Haunted Hill, the original with uh, Vincent Price last year. Thinking about the older classics, so. Of course, you would only get the first Child's Play for your podcast. Yeah, because the first it one came out in 1989. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, so much for being a part. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Support the show through buymeacoffee.com. Buy a T-shirt or a sweatshirt from the website, even though at, by the time this comes out, Halloween will be pretty almost over. But we do have some cool Halloween or fall-inspired shirts, Friday the 13th. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. They are horror movie inspired, and that is yes. any time of the year. Exactly. Yeah, they, I've, there was a guy wearing a Halloween T-shirt about three months ago. So it, you wear it all year, all year round. So go check those out. Uh, you can find it on tpublic.com. You'll search for '80s flick flashback written out, not the number eighty-eight-zero, but actually written out yeah, for tpublic.com. Or you go to our website. It's easier that way. Uh, email us at info at 80sflickflashback.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who loves 80s movies. And of course, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok. Thanks, guys, so much for joining me. Thanks for listening. I'm Tim Williams for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Good night, good people. Happy Halloween. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.